Hello and welcome to the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Once again, I'm Bradley and I'm joined by Stu. I don't think he's been up to much this week, so I can't call him back from anywhere. But maybe he has. Who knows? Stu, how are you doing? I'm all right. And I've no, I've done nothing really. I've been doing a lot of electronic stuff which is all around the modding and preparation of old tech that I'm supposed to be selling on. It gets a little bit like, what's that guy called? Is it Isildur in Lord of the Rings where he won't give the ring up? There's a little bit like that. I want to get this stuff. I, I understand Lord of the Rings. <laughs> all good. <laughs> you don't, do you? No. <laughs> uh, well, they, no, none of them ever want to give up the ring. And that sounds dirty, but it's not. But anyway, uh, yeah. So there you are. That's what I've been doing. <laughs> There's surely a porn version of Lord of the Rings called The Lord of the Ring or something like that. It's got to be, hasn't there? Yeah, it's, it's a really low effort one, that, isn't it? You don't have to make any changes. Just really. My favourite parody porn definitely still has to be Edward Penis Hands. It's hilarious. Possibly even better than the film it's based on, which I didn't <laughs> overly rate. Um, but yeah. Uh, yes, that's my favourite parody porn there's been. It's a good name. Yeah, yeah, and it's just so, it's not even clever, and that's the best thing about it. I like, you get ones where they try and be quite clever and subtle with it, but that just meant no to put penis instead of scissors, and he's got penises for fingers. Yeah. No, penises for hands. So if I remember the script properly, he's got a single penis on the end of each arm. There's a script? <laughs> Of course there is. Parody porn's the best. You don't watch it for the sex and the nudity. You watch it for the batshit crazy story that goes along with it. Right. I'm going to have to dig some of these things out then. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's just worth it. Sometimes just for the trailers. <laughs> it's just Fair play yeah. to YouTube. <laughs> yes. Um, video games. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah. Those things. Yeah. I'm talking about, actually, before we get to video games, and there's a, a slight link. Um, I've been listening to um, Podquisition the last um, few weeks. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, but Laura um, Laura K. Dale um, does uh, the hosting th- uh, duties on the Podquisition, but she also hosts apparently a YouTube video thing. Well, it must be because I can't find a podcast of it called Pixel Squirt, which is basically video game porn or porn based on video games and like talking about those, Weird. Um, which sounds really intriguing and interesting. Uh, because it's the internet, so there's got to be some like sort of like a mixture of hilarious and stuff that's just plain wrong. Um, so I can't wait till I can see, so I can sort of like give that a watch because um, it sounds yeah. really entertaining. That sounds so wrong, but yet so right. So moving on, what porn you've been watching, Stu? <laughs> uh, Gladiator uh, is the <laughs> most recent one. Um, <laughs> No, so in, t- <laughs> in terms of games, it, it was supposed to be a, a bumper week because I had something come in that was, for me, it was cheap, uh, but provided a lot of entertainment. And again, this isn't a porn thing. But, like coming um, in cheap, yeah, we're on to games now, Stu. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, that went pear-shaped because I managed to knacker it up, so I'm just waiting on a replacement part. But what I have been playing is Dirt 5 which is quite an interesting one to talk about, really, especially as, well, for two reasons. One, because loads and loads of people can play it for, yeah, effectively free because it's on Game Pass. Uh, and also because it kind of says a lot about where we are with, with driving games right now, I would say. So 
yeah, I mean, as a, as a game itself, it's all right, uh, which is kind of damning with faint praise. But ugh, where we've got with driving games is so odd. It's almost as if they've boxed themselves into a corner, really, because developers have seemed to have really kind of mastered them in terms of the handling and the physics and to some extent, even the visuals, you know, years ago, like maybe even as much as like eight years ago, eight or 10 years where it's been, yeah, no, I'm happy with those graphics. Oh yeah, they're getting better, but I don't need them really for my entertainment. You know, they're, they're nice. They're the cherry on the cake, but they're not absolutely essential because we've passed a certain threshold. So that's all good. And again, with the physics, it's kind of like, yeah, there's not really much more, you know, cars have traction on certain surfaces and not on others, or it's lower. And this is fed back through the controller. And yeah, all good or happy with that. So where are we? Well, we seem to be in a place where they don't know what to do because they've abandoned the idea of having arcade races because People sort of reject the fact there's not enough content, I think, more than anything. And if you don't have sophistication, but you go for for speed and immediate thrill and then refining that skill. So think of, you know, getting the perfect slide in Ridge Racer and that sort of thing, or getting the best time in OutRun. That pe- they, they assume that people don't want that, or at least they're not going to want that from a AAA release or even a AA release. So it, they kind of pad it out and everything's padded. So you play the same tracks over and over again. You've got really great physics. And where do we go from there? And I think the only places you can go really are, you know, some of the kind of peripheral stuff like building up a career and gaining money and buying cars with better handling. But, you know, that's in arcade games as well. So, you know, meh, not that important. And things like uh, real-time weather. Um, and, yeah making great tracks, just making the tracks really exciting and interesting. And Dirt 5 is a funny one because it doesn't really have great tracks. They're they're standard, they're fine, you know. But, I mean, if you remember, like, when you went from Sega Rally to Sega Rally 2 and you were immediately like, oh, I'm not feeling it anywhere near as much. Now, I might be speaking for myself, but I think a lot of people felt the same way. And I felt that the tracks in the first game, Sega Rally, were just peerless designed to within an inch of their lives, whereas Sega Rally 2 was just kind of, meh, yeah, it's all right, you're driving around a thing. Whereas Sega Rally, you can go, oh, yeah, no, I remember that corner, and I remember when it, there's a hunnock there and things like that, you know. So it, the, the design of the tracks has to be great. And the design of the tracks isn't great in Dirt 5. The handling's fine. Uh, the real-time weather, they used a, an engine that is really, really poor. I, I would say objectively poor that they used uh, that Codemasters used for their last game. Uh, what? Which one was it? Was it Onrush? Or, it was that kind of open world driving game. Oh, the one that was a racing game, but not actually a racing game. Yeah, Onrush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went nowhere near it. Had no interest. Yeah, and they've apparently used that engine, and it just—it's not good. So I've got a pretty str- powerful PC, and it struggles with this game even on medium settings and it doesn't look good the game the game itself does not look good and it's still struggling with it so it's not a great engine it's doesn't really do real-time weather even though it says it does the weather changes in the course but it's prescripted so it's like 
it's you know it's it's a little bit overcast and then it darkens and it's night and then it starts snowing and you're like oh wow that's cool but then it does it every time you play that track so that's not real time weather that's scripted so it kind of uses a, a mediocre game engine to, for one effect but then it doesn't use that properly and the only one i think i can that i've played that i think does it well which is my high point in recent driving games as well is drive club which the the dlc for that which eventually became free had real time weather effects in it and it was great for it so that's a great big brain dump of everything that's in the game so it's fine but it's like where are we now and where do we need to go with these things so just to pick up on that a little bit a couple cut just a couple of a couple of points um real-time weather bugs me um for a lot of the things you say because it's scripted and in a 10 minute race sometimes you know let's let's give it a push like you can extend out a rally like dirt five to maybe like a 20 minute um event um the weather is not going to change that much in 20 minutes that it does within the game i'll get to trying to simulate it and stuff like that but it's not going to change that much and i would rather they used the uh the weather model that's used in Microsoft Flight Simulator, just whatever the weather is at that time of day within you know, your part of the world or whatever, or, or where the game world is, that's what the weather is in the game. Do it that way. Yeah. If it's absolutely lashing it down in Wales and you're playing a Welsh track, don't worry about a day-night cycle like matching that. But if it's absolutely lashing it down in Wales in real life, make it lash down in the game. And they can do it because Metropolis Street Racer on the Dreamcast and the original Project Gotham's, they had real-time day-night cycles. So if you played the Tokyo levels at like 5 p.m. UK, it was dark. But if you played the Tokyo levels at midnight UK, they were daylight. Um, and I just thought that was amazing and nowhere ever went anywhere with it. So do that. Um, use real-time weather and just that's that's what your weather is. It doesn't need to change unless it changes in real life. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely one way of doing it, and I think it would work. I think it, that should, should, some games should do that, definitely, as a choice. Um, but I also think there is room for, for doing it where it, the game decides on it randomly. But the problem is that, and this probably comes from the publisher rather the, than the developer, that it has to be extreme, you know? Mm. And it's like... So one minute it's completely dry and then there's a massive downpour or, you know, it, it's kind of overcast, but then there's a huge snowstorm. And it's like, no, what would be really good would be just doing that thing where, um, you know, like if you've got bright sunshine and then the cloud comes across and it's like, so you see the difference between when you have the sunlight behind you and you that gives you a great view of the track, um, and you know that helps you and but then when you turned around and you're facing into the sun it hinders you and these are subtle things but they're believable and you could code them in without it being a big deal so you could go from overcast to drizzle and that would mean you know your visibility is slightly lessened and your traction is slightly lessened but it doesn't make a massive difference but i think that they might be going down the route of we have to make there be substantial changes to how the, the car drives 
when the weather changes, which it, no, you don't have to do that because what you can, can do is like I said, just make it environmental, like a, a visual thing so that when that does change, it changes the characteristics of how you play because your visibility has changed and your reaction to the environment changes. So yeah, I think there's room for all those things and they, <laughs> they seem to, to use a car metaphor, slalom around them and avoid them for some reason. <laughs> so. And a game that does it really well is another rally game, actually. And it's Art of Rally. Right. It's You've got, like, it will be, like, dark on this track this time. And it fundamentally changes the way you drive because your visibility is so short on that that you have to be more careful. So you can't go through that, that same course as quick as you did the time before on a perfectly sunny daytime run. Um, and the rain has an effect. It doesn't just go, oh, your car's going to slide all over the place, but you've got longer braking zones. Yeah. And if you get on the power too early, you will slide out. And you do need to sort of sometimes just nurse your car around certain sections. You can't just like, oh, there's a chicane bit coming up. I'm just going to put my power down and slide because you'll just lose it. But it's subtle. Um, but it's done that this level's a rainy level. There's no, oh, we're going to go from perfect sunshine to night and rain in one go. Um, and that works really well. And that's a, it's a really weird one because we, we, um, we went from the idea of like there was arcade racers and there were sim racers. And then they kind of merged in the middle with the Forza games and especially Forza Horizon. We got the Simcade happening. But then I'm looking at stuff like you've got Art of Rally and I've, I'm yet to play this one, but for everything about it tells me I want to play it. And it's um, Circuit Superstars, yeah. which is a similar kind of concept as Art of, Art of Rally. So it's a kind of top down, but it's around the circuit, or like isometric, almost like a, um, a championship sprint style viewpoint, but bigger tracks and stuff like that. And what these games have done is cool. I, I, I don't know what you could call them. Arcade sim? Because it's almost taking the arcade aesthetic and idea and putting a more of a sim handling in it, but without going completely sim. Yeah. So they're still accessible. But I don't want to see just one homogenized racing genre where you've got, oh, outright sim for the professionals and then sim. I, I want people to try stuff. I want to get more arcadey stuff. And you spoke about Sega Rally. And I know it wasn't the most well-received game or it didn't do gambuster numbers, but Sega Rally Revolution, I, I felt was one of the most impressive at the time racers. Not because it was a good game, because it tried something new and it brought in a new mechanic that I really thought was going to revolutionize racing games in some fashion. And that was the... Um, the defamation of the of the track. So if you went round, you'd cause like divots in the mud and stuff like that, and grooves in the mud, um, and that would remain there in the for the next lap until you went over it and it changed it, and it was all real time. And I thought this was brilliant. This was absolutely brilliant. And I thought we'd start seeing that in more and more games, and it would be like a really good thing. And it just kind of never done anything with it. But we haven't had a racing game for years where i've gone oh wow that is a great feature and i can't wait to see what other racing games do with it yeah i know i know and i don't know why it doesn't get used more maybe it's just complicated to do oh, oh, yeah it's, or this isn't but... a our developers just do it because yeah, yeah. I, I know it's complicated but when we're getting iterations of oh the the left side of the the front rear tire in 
racing game five had 79 points of contact, but now it's got 104 and you feel the road that much. But I don't, I don't, yeah, good for uh, like proper sim racers, but that's not going to sell me on going, oh yeah, I can't wait to try this game. Oh wow, it grips the road a bit differently. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I, I think it comes back to that thing of of it having a the whole genre having a personality crisis. Like they don't know where to go, so that they know where to go with sim. Well, you can just keep adding stuff to a sim, and that will satisfy the people who want sims. You know, you can't be too realistic because that's what people who play sims want. So that's sewn up. You're fine. Move on. You know, that's cool. Go with it. Um, but you know the problem comes is anything below that you know what are people doing and they're like well yeah races we're gonna make nostalgia races so uh stuff like oh god what was it called that one that i played oh i can't remember there was the one that looked like um virtual racing uh which is a nostalgia racer because it just doesn't have anything that was yeah yeah it doesn't really have anything in it other than oh look what you it used things used to look like yesterday kind of yeah. a, a thing and i'm not nostalgic so i'm masked you know it's like it's a good it's game about these retro consoles <laughs> i know but <laughs> we'll we'll come to that we'll come to that there's a very specific difference i'll come to it but um yeah so there's they're kind of like you know and i understand that because they're easy to program you know you can bedroom coders can do arcade races because they can't you know build a really complicated physics engine it would take years so there's that but then anything you know there's no kind of triple a space in in arcade races and there's even the middle ground like dirt five is getting so so many things wrong you know that strip away the enjoyment so there's there's too much so in terms of negative points clear negative points in dirt five the collision is awful not just because not just because of physics the physics around it's fine but it's really punitive so if you hit the track side and it's like you know walls or a barrier or anything like that you can flip really easily and there's no rewind feature so you know that that's fine um but it's like okay what where you've gone wrong here and you, you're sitting there like a you know like a producer thinking right okay i'm sitting the team down and telling them where they've gone wrong and it's like where you've gone wrong here is you you can have your uh difficult skiddy slidey hit the track and you hit the edge of the track and you screwed stuff but you're gonna have to have a rewind because that's really hard uh so you know gotta have a safety net or you make it about right okay you're doing a lap and if you're not doing the full lap the full race you're going right back to the start but then you make it less punitive. And it's like they've got that side of it totally wrong. So it's both punitive in terms of, you know, how it how it handles. It's very realistic. So in a real car, if you hit the side, you know, if you hit a rock wall, you are totally screwed. Um, but it's also taken out the we can quickly get back into the game bit when it's done that. So, yeah, we're in a very, very rocky middle ground at the moment. And it's a shame because of, of Codemasters especially, it really bugs me because for me, they had one of the best iterations in a racing series of all time. So Tokar Touring Car Championship, when that came out, blew me away. It was something I've never really seen before. Uh, it was on the play, Obviously, I played it on the PlayStation 1. I say obviously, I don't know why it would be obviously, but I played it on the PlayStation 1. 
and it was like internal camera. The AI was amazing. I've spoke about my love for that game before. The progression on to Toka 2 touring cars, where it had more um, events and things like that. Brilliant. Toka World touring cars added, again, more events all over the world, new engine, damage models and everything. Brilliant. Um, and then they shifted and went to Toka Race Driver. And against all odds, before EA started doing it with FIFA and Madden and stuff like that, against all odds, they added a story mode to a simple racing game and it worked then they carried that on with a couple more to varying degrees of success the original um race driver because they then removed toka from it and called it race driver grid that was brilliant that was a breath of fresh air at the reverse system and that, that was a proper idea of a realistic looking racer but it was accessible you felt the speed the damage was there you could turn off replay uh, uh, rewinds and then it made it sort of like really an event to play that you like you'd battle but you had to be careful in case you you, you crashed and done too much damage oh it's brilliant the ai again was brilliant um grid two will ignore because that was shot and grid auto sport absolutely a brilliant return to full and then they've done grid again and that's disappointing but the, the Colin McRae series into Dirt seemed to be doing that same thing, reinvented itself from Colin McRae Rally, and then obviously um, the Dirt series started. That just seems to have gone backwards, and it's it's so so disappointing to see from them. Yeah, um, and the, uh, yeah, I'd rather they went more to that arc that simcade a bit more, or the, uh, or uh, more arcadey to make it a bit more fun. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, what we're really saying is hashtag bring back blur. God, that was a fun game. But yeah, in terms of of dirt, yeah, you know, going from Colin McRae from that era and his tragic death, and then you know coming into the new era, and it's very much kind of dude bro kind of X Games stylings and all that. They sort of went away from that a little bit at one point. It's like less of it, and then they've gone back into it again. They've really doubled down on it in five. So. Each each game again, personality, you know, is all over the place. So the first game, very, very simcade. The second game for me, the best in the series, absolutely nails it. So my this... first ever review, by the way, nostalgic friends. Yes. What dirt two? Yes. Uh so presumably you feel as, as strongly in a positive way about it as I do then. Loved you... it. Yeah. I thought absolutely it loved it, yeah. Mm. I thought it was probably the best racer of its generation, to be honest. It just gets it, it just nails it for me. But yeah, no, Dirt 2 takes that formula and just runs with it and makes the tracks longer and makes more of them. And it gets you, it shifts you around through the races really fast, but enough to make you feel like there's connective tissue. And it, the handling model's just fantastic. And yeah, it's, it's just a great game. And then 3 was that horrible microtransaction filled, you know, emphasis on the rally cross uh not rally cross what's the one where you're competing in those tiny little arenas um that horrible thing anyway so it's basically like Derby. Uh, no it's it's basically like go-karting but in proper cars and it's it was just it was just stupid and i really did not enjoy the process in that game um dirt four i can barely remember i just thought it was quite bland um to try to be a bit more like dirt rally is like why yeah they've got dirt rally which is a dirt good, rally good why? Yeah. yeah um do you know the most underrated dirt game which dirt showdown 
Oh, no, I've never played that. Which I will have my coat on this. I loved Dirt Showdown because it went for the more arcade style. It kind of differentiated itself, and I'm, I'm gutted it didn't go further. Um, I, I'm also a big fan of the Jim Carner stuff. I wish they had brought out a standalone Jim Carner uh, game on Xbox Live Arcade at the time. Um, or even now, a smaller title that's just purely around the Jim Carner stuff. Well, I think um, that, that shows up exactly why they need to do that, because yeah. I couldn't stand those bits, uh, and I didn't want them in my game. So having a separate game is, is definitely the better idea. Yeah. yeah. Dirt Rally, Dirt Jim Carner, or whatever they want to call it, um, and then do one maybe. like you know, Dirt Rally should be purely Rally, pure Rally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dirt Jim Carner for that kind of more um, showmanship stuff and point scoring and whatever. And then Dirt whatever for like the racy based stuff, Dirt Rallycross or Dirt Sprint Cars or whatever, whatever those other events are. Put those into a third arm and do it that way. Spend more time with them and flesh those out. And you can get yourself a three-year cycle then. They can bring each of those out every three years, but still have a Dirt game out every year but it's different and fresh and it gives their development teams time to, uh, you know, really expand and try new things. That's it. Well, they should, yeah, stick, stick with an engine that they're happy with, decide on a, a four or five year cycle and make sure that they do two, maybe even three games with that engine within that five year span over two teams and make the disciplines different because yeah, multidisciplinary racing games for me, oh, I mean, you know, yeah, okay, Dirt 1 and 2 were technically multidisciplinary, but they're not really. I mean, they're just slight variations on one another, you know. Like either drive around track with one person competing or drive around competing against a group or on your own against the clock, and, you know, the terrain is slightly different. But, you know, it was all really the same stuff, which is what you wanted. So, yeah, yeah. Keep it we're, just, saying, yeah. we're saying all this, and to be fair, they're going to make Formula One games for a few more years, and then EA are going to shut them down. So it matters not. No, I know. I know. But yeah. anyway, I will again add to this. Hashtag bring back blur. Bobby Kotick, you are a good, good man. And anything I've ever said about you is in jest. So, you know, just put a, just a week's wages, one week's wages to developing blur. Blur 2 can even just be blur again let's reboot it bring it back it was ah, oh, it was sublime absolutely sublime and bring back was it um ah oh, what were they called the bum based in liverpool the the, the uh, developers based in liverpool psychosis no not psychosis bizarre creation sorry oh bizarre yeah yeah yes yeah um yeah give, get get all those guys back make 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 a blur game again because that was that was just wonderful and market it properly don't insult mario kart <laughs> yeah true true yeah so, so yeah. that's that's it that's all i've been playing this week apart from a little bit more of dragon quest which is uh fun yeah it's it's um really really old-fashioned y oldie worldy both in terms of how it plays and how it's designed but yeah yeah it's fun it's all right i almost played a video game this week so what did you try what did you give a go um, to so Testing my vision, um, we took the switch and we drove up to Barnard Castle, sat in the car up, up there, and I thought, oh, I can see the switch a little bit now. Um, and so I was like, oh, what can I get? I went, oh, Rogue Heroes, I'll give that a go. Uh, just see what I can do with it. Looks nice, um, what I can see of it. Um, but then it immediately brought to attention the problem we've spoke about with games before, and it's accessibility. On the small screen, 
five seconds into the game. Um, it starts up, I walk up to something, and he's got a little pop-up bubble thing that talks about what, what you're doing and what the control for it is. I couldn't read it. Could not read it one little bit, and I couldn't see any accessibility options to make that text bigger, for it to speak it, or anything. And it was, yeah, a shame, because it looks nice, the game, but I had no idea what I was doing, because I had no idea what the controls actually did, because it lacked accessibility options, Right, which is a shame. And then my vision went to crap again, so I haven't been able to play anything else. But yeah, the first 10 seconds of that game, it looks really nice, and I can't wait to play it properly. Yeah, no, it, that, that sounds, yeah, sounds good. I, I think in terms of the accessibility, we're, we must be reaching a, a tipping point soon where they where it becomes standard, you would think, at least. Or system level. Yeah, like on a system, system level. level. Mm. If anyone's got, I don't expect an indie developer to have the budget to be able to do that. I, 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 they should, and there should be tools there they can just plug in to do it. But I don't go to the indie developer and go, ah, oh, you're the worst because you haven't done accessibility options. I, I get there might be three or four people making it and none of them have experience with that. I get it. But Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo have R&D departments. So they can put a team together and go, right, how can we do this at system level? If someone struggles, can we do screen readers? Can we do, um, like on a Switch, if they could allow me to press on that screen, because it is touch screen, Press on that screen and magnify it for a few moments while my finger's on the screen for me to be able to read that small text. Bang, sorted for that type of issue. Yeah. Can you put colorblind? Because I know like on Chrome, on the on the um on my PC, I can put in a plugin that turns every website into dark mode. Now they're not all great, and some of them you need to mess around or even exclude from dark mode. But I can do that with a plugin there. So again, could they put not put a system wide colorblind mode into like the playstation the xbox and like the switch and say this is what we're going to do with colors just to let you know this might not work well for all games but it's there exactly yeah, yeah. So it and needs to go system level sooner rather than later i think yeah absolutely i mean it's system level in a way on uh windows 10 in that there's oh well it has been for several you know generations of of windows where you've got high contrast and you've got different color modes and they're all intended to help with different types of you know eye response and and visibility levels so yeah you could easily stick that in you could have the magnification option i think that that kind of thinking to have that stuff in it rubs up against two problems i think one is that there are some cultures that see disability or however you want to frame it, because um, I don't, I don't really like that word, but I don't really have an alternative. I do apologise. So that sees people with disabilities around sight and hearing or any disability as having a failing, and they're they're a failure, and therefore they don't th- add things in. And there are some cultures who believe that com- competition and being competitive and being the best is the most important thing, and therefore they don't want to put modes in that would quote unquote make things easier like you have to be the at the top of your game you have to be the pinnacle to be able to beat this kind of game and yeah i'm not going to name any of those cultures but i think people can work them out unfortunately those cultures are tend to be the highest producers of video games and i think that's why it's been so slow in being adopted to be quite honest with you i mean the one of the big 
hardware companies I won't call out for it because I think they do they have done brilliantly over the past four or five years is Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. What they've done to allow um dis- disabled gamers access to video games is amazing. You know, if there was like a, a Nobel Prize for sort of like technology and stuff like that, I, I would be happy for them to win it. And again, I know it's to make money. I'm not naive, but I cannot say anything bad about that. But there still needs to be more done. And I know it's selfish that I'm only talking about this now because I've got the issues. But unfortunately, with life, that's the only time you really notice how bad it is when you're the one suffering. Yeah, and I think that is a really good argument for why there has to be inclusivity in um, employment. And why I agree with po- what used to be called positive discrimination, i.e. deliberately selecting people who are not of, you know, just your same ethnicity and the same general ability level. And why you should pick people, you should specifically look for candidates who, are, who bring a, a, a variety and a different viewpoint. So, you know, like you said, having the magnification option would be brilliant. I wouldn't probably even have thought of that. So that's that's great. I'd go, yeah, okay, well, you're hired because I need, you know, that point of view. And I would like somebody who had hearing loss and hearing issues so I could say, all right, well, you know, there's subtitles, yeah, but you tell me with people with various stages of hearing loss, yeah, what would be a benefit, you know? Tell HD me. the rumble. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, how you Wait, use that in conjunction with with bass, you know, bass response on speakers so, and all yeah, sorts. No, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. I don't do it often. I don't. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But one of the things that always got me is I've always done this. You've obviously got Sony have really got this like new fancy controller, and I can't wait to actually try it out. And Microsoft did it with their triggers at one point, various rumbles. So the idea was, oh, you can feel the tires on the ground and stuff like that, and you really can, and it's really good. And I was playing um an rpg on the switch and i was i was um i had the um the sound down and i couldn't see because it was just stilted characters and i couldn't work out who was actually meant to be saying the dialogue and i thought what would be really cool because on either side of the screen what would be really cool was if you gave me a slight rumble in the right joy con when the person on the right's talking and a rumble on the left when the person on the left's talking just something simple like that but only low level rumble but that would give me that indication of that's the person talking. And again, I'm not saying put that in at game level and go, oh, that's something we have all the time. But as a feature, you can turn on and off and things like that. It's ways of using the existing technology without going, oh, we've got to develop brand new controllers to do this or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, the, the, it's, it's all there. I mean, that's just me thinking sort of like over the past few weeks, going, I wonder how stuff like this could improve. Yeah. So... You know, there's going to be much more cleverer people than me who can take that further or do more with it. So, yeah, well, it'd be interesting to see what happens. But I'm, you know, you take about, you talk about positive discrimination. I used to find it very hard to argue with people who would go, um, oh, you shouldn't have to just have somebody because they're black or someone just because they're gay or someone just because they're disabled. It should be whoever's best for the job. And it was like, well, I used to go, I get it because, yeah, because equality means the best person for the job gets the job no matter what they are. And I was like, I couldn't argue that point. But then I I hit a point where I went, actually, no, if you've got someone who is, you, you hire someone because they're black, yes, it's positive discrimination and they get a role that might have gone otherwise to a white person. But what you're actually doing is you're not hiring them for that moment. You're actually hiring them so the company learns better for future generations. You hire someone disabled 
now over someone else who's able-bodied because they can bring in disability options to whatever it is in the workplace um, and allow them to learn future. And then you get to a point 30 years down the line, maybe the next generation of, of, of workers. And that's where you can go, right, actually, it doesn't matter where you're from. We couldn't care less whether you're disabled in a wheelchair, whether you're blind, whether you're black, whether you're gay, um, whether you're, you know, a cis white male or whatever. It really does not matter because of what these people did 30 years ago. We can hire anyone just based on their ability to do a job. So, it's, it, yeah, I get why positive discrimination has to be a thing now. And I, I'm glad I've learned what the argument is against people who go, it should just be the best person for the job. Yes. So... Just to add on a little bit onto, onto that argument that you just said, is that people, if you go, well, I want to hire the best person for the job, yeah? Well, the best person for the job is often going to be a white man based on your criteria. And that's because culturally and historically in this country, at least, the people who are given the opportunities are the white men. So they're the ones with the most experience. So it's a feedback loop of you give the opportunity when they have no talent, uh, not talent, but no um, wisdom or experience or maturity in a role to a white man to give them an opportunity. But then when you come to hire people who are mature and senior in a role, you hire white men because they're the ones who've been given the opportunity. So the way that you break that cycle is by hiring people who have potential and you make sure that you go okay, right, I've got two candidates here. One's a white person who's had this type of job for 10 years and is very proficient. And this person here is black who's got no experience. And it's like, okay, well, the way that you then differentiate is by actually listening to them as a person and actually asking questions about what they can bring and how they will develop. And you know, that means a big shift and it's, you need to stop your internal bias. You need to have a better recruitment process and you need to start hiring people rather than just skills. Um, so yeah, that, that's what, that's what needs to break that cycle as well. But, but what you're actually forgetting, Stu, right, when it comes to all this, and this is why you're wrong. Okay. Yeah. I actually know a black man. Okay. And he owns his own home and he's got a car. I don't. So where's the racism now, Stu? Yeah, where's exactly. the institutional racism? I know a single black man who owns his own house. That's right. Yeah, I... I um, and I, I know a gay people who got married. Where's yeah. the homophobia now in culture, hey? Yeah, hmm. I, was, I was really cold the other day, so this whole global warming thing is... I, yeah. I, I love people to can't it, it's still i don't want to go down this point but yeah the whole we talked about it last week point and laughing no just because you know someone who's doing better than you does not mean all of a sudden black people with better lives like, it's years and years of oppression and institutional racism means you don't know how hard that that family's had to work to get to that point and how many norms have had to break to get there yeah uh, yeah there you go we've sewn all that up in uh, why we want it actually it's going to kind of blend because I, 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 with it we will talk at some point about the um the murder london last week the the poor girl who was taken and, and murdered sarah everard yeah. yeah i'm still obviously waiting till more information comes out rather than speculating uh, what i will say is the positive that will come out of it is hopefully hopefully this brings about change and the way women are seen in society um, and what's done about it. And we stop telling women that, that they have to protect themselves and we do more 
to make sure they shouldn't have to protect themselves. But we will talk more about that in, in future episodes. Definitely. But back to the lighter side of things. Um, before we move on, any other gaming stuff related? Um, well, I, as I say, I've got this this big thing about what I'm going to be playing when the whole retro bundle comes in. Uh, but it's such a shame that it's not quite happened this week. And you know, the only other thing to say is that I'm kind of I've got a couple of bits on the go that I'm trying to fix or kind of mod slash fix, and it's not working. It's getting really frustrated. So there's the balance in your mental health of freedom and sense of accomplishment you get from finishing something like that off but the feeling of stress that you get when something isn't going right and it feels very that makes it feel very much like work so i have to make sure that i don't go far too far down the road where i make it a job for myself (laughs) i have to keep it fun at which point yeah you've got to decide at what point like with a video game where you go i'm just not enjoying this game so i'm just gonna move on from this particular game now i don't care that i spent 40 50 quid on it yeah i'm not enjoying it i'll move on to something i am enjoying i suppose it's the same with that but it's the the investment not financially as such but the all the other investment that goes into it so your time your emotions and what you know you can do that's all a factor as well it's not very easy to break that is it no and also with if something is an actual job even if you have a day when you hate it or more than one day you still get paid for it even though it was rubbish so (laughs) you know in this case if something's rubbish and i abandon it then i i uh I don't get paid. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a a funny one, and I'm juggling the priorities at the moment. Uh, I'm going to ease down on what I buy in to fix, I think, and just sell what I've got at the moment and see how it goes from there. But I say the main thing is you've got to make sure that at the end of the day it's enjoyable. As I said, like sort of like feedback helps as well. So, I mean, again, because of my vision, I've not been able to play with it yet, but the um, flight stick you, I, I... I gave to you, which you fixed up and then surprised me with and sent back. Modded and everything, not just like in disgust or anything like that. <laughs> you sent back fully modded. I can't wait to get on and play that. I'm going to play some Elite Dangerous and Flight Simulator with it. And I can't wait because just like oh. the extra little things you've done with it, like you put the grip around the um, the, the flight stick itself. And it was like, I couldn't see. I went, what the f- done? there what's all that on it and then i just realized oh it's actually a grip and it actually it's not i'm not slipping i'm not going to get sweaty as it's as it's going and stuff like that so it's all the little things you did oh it's like really i just can't wait to get in and use it properly yeah no it's it is really good Uh, i'm always impressed with people who change physical characteristics of stuff so that it's better for you know for for people for real actual people and and that's definitely one of the things that helps and it's not something i i get to do very often so yeah yeah i do that and i keep I finding all... buttons somewhere as well like, that, <laughs> yeah. i'm because i'm still i'm feeding around when i've like sort of moved I've got, was that button there before or Stu put that in i don't know which is obviously well, actually... that, that has got to be good because it means i'm not going to go oh yeah that button feels crap that must have been Stu. That's it. Yeah, no, that's a compliment because it, you don't actually know which ones I did. But no, that's brilliant. I mean, it leaves it with about, oh, what was it? About sort of 16 or 18 buttons, I think. Mm. Um, and yeah, they're, they're, they are needed. It's crazy. It's crazy. how Because when you're trying to be quick in a sim, or, you know, like Elite Dangerous, you have to have those buttons to do stuff. You can't go into a menu or 
have a context sensitive thing because it just doesn't work. Yeah, you need really need the physical feedback of it. So yeah, it's been fun sort of playing with that. Um, and I certainly hope like you don't get to a point where you go, no, I'm just going to dump all this because you're good at it. And I just hope you just continue to enjoy it because again, when I was fixing phones briefly to try and do that for a living i actually enjoyed the idea of fixing a phone it was just the added pressure of doing it for someone else and getting pa- like potentially paid for it made it not fun um the same with like lucas and he's baking when he did that as soon as people wanted to yeah. pay him for cakes he stopped enjoying it so yeah yes. still enjoying it that's the main thing yeah no you like you say it's important to have that that distinction and know when to do the cut off point yeah yeah and you've got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them it's <laughs> very true so yeah no good and hopefully i will hear more about that in the coming weeks as well as you get more stuff in or you, you get over your humps with some of the bits and stuff yeah. like that i'll be a, i'll do a big talk on it uh lucky you when it's uh <laughs> when it's the right point yeah um so moving on i'm going to talk a bit about my adhd um and one of the things i've found like i've just decided now that look i'm gonna get diagnosed with adhd i i i've worked out that i've had it like my entire life and it's only now i can see it and i realized how much of me i was repressing over the years and that was really adding to my my mental my mental state what was causing a lot of my depression because i couldn't be me now my brother was diagnosed and he had adhd but i was you know i was like born like very early into the 80s in 81 so when i was younger adhd wasn't a thing and i was never i I wasn't the side the impulsive side like the um oh there's a car there i'm going to rob that car style of adhd um or i'm going to kick off because i'm not getting what i want style of adhd mine was very addictive nature and more on i suppose more on the autism side of stuff with a lot of it and um yeah, I, I, I'm used to oppress things. I'm sort of like, I, I try not to say things because I'd st- as you get here, I stumble over words and that sometimes. So I'd be very deliberate in what I say and say as little as possible, believe it or not. Then get frustrated when I couldn't, people weren't understanding what I was saying. It was my fault. You know, what's wrong with me? And it was like, well, my brother's got ADHD, but what's wrong with me? And instead of going, oh, maybe I've got ADHD. I was like, oh, no, there's something wrong with me. I'm just broken um I'm, I'm you know i'm meant to be quote unquote normal but i'm not i don't know what's wrong so i hid lots of it and that would make me depressed and i didn't know why i was getting depressed by and then i'd hide it more and i'd get more and more depressed um and that that's how it was showing itself and literally in the last few months and during lockdown where i've gone no do you know what let's let's go with it let's let these ticks come out let's let just more of what that was that i was hiding away let that come out Maybe a change of personality that people may see. Hopefully it's for the better. But one of the things I've found is I'm a lot happier now. I'm not suddenly no, I'm not depressed anymore. You know, I don't have depression because it's not as simple as that. But I find I'm a lot happier now because I'm not hiding who I am. That's great. Yeah. I mean, so is there anything that you can point to to say that is a definite change in behaviour, an external thing that people would notice? Forgetfulness. And just admitted that no, that's ADHD. That that's the one because I used to forget stuff, um, and then sort of like sometimes lie as to why I forgot it, or that, or yeah. I hadn't forgot it. I was like, oh no, I haven't. I've just got to go and sort this. 
and I'd lie. Uh, so not like drastic lies of what? No, what? There's no one under the patio kind of lies. Um, but just those little sort of like, what? Ah, oh, no, I forgot to post it. Or oh, I posted it. I don't know. You know, oh, maybe the post is taking a bit longer or something like that. And the perfect example of this was um, we recalled on the Tuesday. Um, on the Monday, just gone. I had an eye appointment at the hospital. And Lowe was working, so my mum took me. Um, so I went, I better get her a Mother's Day card, you know, at least. I don't really do cards anyway, but I thought I'll get mum a Mother's Day card. And I was going to do this whole jokey thing where I'd get her a Mother's Day card. Obviously, I can't see what I'm writing, so I'd write in it and just whatever she got, writing why she'd get. And I was going to buy her some broccoli um, and just go, I bought you a bunch of flowers, mum. Nice one. Um, yeah, as you it. know, I can't say, you know, it's. No, oh, it's broccoli. I get it. Ooh, yeah. Um, but I forgot to get the broccoli while I was out. I went, I'll just give her the card. Mum turns up Monday. I was like, oh, I went, oh, um, got you a card, Mum. And it's the most ADHD card you can have. And she went, why? I went, I bought it. It's still sat there unwritten. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, um, so if you wait there, I just got the card. Whereas before, I would have gone, right, I better not tell me, Mum, I've got a card. Or, oh, no, I posted it, Mum. Um, and then post it later that day or the next day or something. It's like, oh, post must have been delayed. Just admitting stuff more is rather than trying to hide it and then feeling the rest of the day or whatever in the presence feeling guilty of sin, watching what I'm saying in case I slip up about the card or something like that. So, yeah, it's just little things like that that have really changed in me. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, no, that's good. More people should do that. <laughs> more people should be self-aware, I guess, of of their personal tics and behavior patterns and and try and control not even control them just lean into them really be happier uh, most most often people don't want to you know uh just they don't think of people as having a perfect way of behaving and you know you should conform to it you know they generally like you for who you are if they like you at all and um yeah they, and they don't mind that sort of stuff they just see it as, as honesty so yeah, no, I think that's pretty cool. I also found out um, I sigh for fun. Oh, right. Well, there is an endorphin rush from sighing, isn't there? I will, I will sit there sometimes, just randomly, and just go, <laughs> Lower go, what's wrong? I went, nothing. She went, you just sighed. I went, oh, did I? She went, yes. I went, yeah, I just wanted to. It's like, <laughs> what, nothing's wrong? No, I just like sighing. Yeah, it's good. The other thing I just want to close out with before you you do the uh, the final outro, filled in um, the census um, this past couple of days uh, with my partner, and obviously every four years, every four or five years you do a census. So the last one I was still kind of discovering to a degree who I was um, and what are social norms and things like that. Um, so for the first time on a census. Your sex, you have to put down as male or female, which is fine. And I agree with that because your sex is important, I think, for uh, medical needs. So yeah. sex is male. And then it has now got gender identity. Um, but it's male, female or other um, still, unfortunately. So I chose other and put myself down as non-binary for the first time. Um, and sexuality as pansexual. Which is really weird because I've been in nothing other than a heterosexual relationship. But I looked at sort of like people I find sexually attractive and I couldn't give a flying rat's ass. I couldn't care what gender you are or anything. You know, people were attractive. People are attractive. So as far as I'm concerned, I'm in a heterosexual relationship. But 
I don't I don't particularly care. So yeah, I've decided to put on the national census. Yeah, I'm non-binary and pansexual, and it felt really good to be able to actually admit that cool. on something like that. Yeah. And again, it's not a big. Okay, I couldn't care less what pronouns people use with me. So I'm not. I'm not going to go. Oh, I don't want to be he or him anymore. I've got to be they or them or anything. People can call me he, him, she, her, they, them, whatever. I really don't care. I'm just going because I'm not. My gender isn't. I've never been masculine. I've never been totally feminine. So I've because I've said about this, but I've always been just in between. Yeah, I'm non-binary and sexuality is pansexual, but I'm in a heterosexual relationship. Um, so yeah, I popped that down on the census and it just felt really good to be able to sort of like admit that to myself for the first time, which was really good. That's great. Yeah. And I think it shows also the importance of having those options on a form. It, it sounds like a small thing, but it's such a big deal to be able to do that so that it's in, it's got the inclusiveness. It doesn't just go, you know, unlike you said, um, having other is not ideal because because uh, then it's othering people like quite literally but um it's yeah. better than nothing it's better than not having any choice at all so it's nice to see those the, things on there the only people that should bother are web coders because they're the ones who have to put in more list items <laughs> yeah true it's the same with countries i hate it when there's a country select my god i've now got to do like 90 odd lines of code great um so yeah the only people that should be bothered about gender preferences and pronouns are web coders that's acceptable yeah. but they get pissed off about everything well, so that's fine. exactly <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no that's it for me i didn't want to make a big deal with it so just slot it in at the end and yeah there we go non-binary pansexual heterosexual guy nice Okay, so that's it for another week. As usual, like, share, subscribe. Got tons of content on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter. If you want to contribute, you can join us on Patreon or you can pay a one-off on coffee. Other than that, stay safe, stay sane, and we'll speak next week. Bye.